What's up, everyone? I'm so excited to have with me Mike Claudio of Win Rate Consulting. We are going to talk about winning more jobs. Like, who doesn't want that? So, uh, Mike has a lot of insight based on experience both in home remodeling, running a roofing company, and now consulting with companies to help them grow and be more profitable. Welcome to the Nailed It Podcast with your host, Joseph Hughes, founder of Contractor Dynamics and creator of the Dynamic Accelerator Program, found at ContractorDynamics.com. Sit back, relax, and welcome to today's fire episode on the business of construction. What's up, Mike? Awesome to have you here. Yeah, man, I'm excited. I'm excited to help people get more of the right clients, not just more clients. Yes, yes, it's quality over quantity for sure. I think it's when we have like too much quantity of not the right clients that can really just like throw our business into some quicksand where we just like, you know, some businesses don't get out or you just don't, you don't grow, right? Well, I mean, we've all experienced like that one bad client will take up more time than four good clients, right? And it's always the least expensive project that takes the most of your time because everybody believes like, I gave you $1,200. How am I not your top priority? And it's like, I appreciate $1,200 is a lot to you, but it doesn't even pay for the gas to get my guys over here. Like, you know, so it's one of those things where like that bad client, man, it'll absolutely ruin your routine, ruin your schedule, and really spend a lot of time on the wrong things. Yeah, and we've had, uh, over the past eight years, we've had, uh, I, I say a handful of those, and I can, I know their names off the top of my head, I'm not gonna say them, of course, but like, cause you, you know, as an owner or manager, like you let, like literally lay in bed and you're at night and you're thinking about that problem client. The phone rings, that email comes through, and they always write, the worst clients always write stories in their emails and text messages. <laughs> it's never a quick, check in. It's like you, they got to tell you about their entire week before they get to why they're actually reaching out. Yeah, totally. I think, uh, I think it was Dan Kennedy, uh, marketing, marketing consultant guru, if you will. I think he was one who said, if I wake up three times thinking about you and you're, and I'm not married to you, then you're out. Like you're cut off. Like, so you wake up thinking about a bad client three times, fire them, cut, cut them off, him or her off. Uh, I thought that was pretty funny. So uh, we'll get into a lot more of that, Mike. I want to hear and I want the audience to hear your background. Uh, we've gotten to build a relationship, which is awesome over the past couple of months. But I want our audience to hear why why you're here and why they're listening to you. Yeah, sure. I mean, I do the same thing on my podcast. Like you want to give the audience some credibility as to why to listen to the person that's coming in, right? Like if I'm going to listen to this and do what he says. Why should I do that? So I've been in sales and sales leadership for going on 16 years now. The first nine plus years that I spent in corporate America, um, I worked for Verizon Wireless retail, retail management, small to medium business sales and large corporate sales. So I kind of ran the gamut on sales environments. Like I did retail, dealing with homeowners, dealing with people. I managed that space and I sold to businesses for several years. I kind of burnt out on corporate America. I ran its course, you know, had very good success there, but I was not interested in management. And a good buddy of mine was a remodeler. He was a GC, typical bathroom, kitchen guy. Um, he had moved his business to Charlotte around the same time I did. And he was kind of struggling to get his business where he needed it to be. And I was done with corporate America. So I took the jump, took a massive pay cut and said, hey, let me dive in, help you grow this business. And took him from a few hundred thousand dollars a year. My second year there, we did a little over 2.2 million saw a lot of what it takes to grow a business and deal with the growing pains. And I took over all sales marketing and estimating. So I saw kind of the whole front of that and went through my own growing pains, figuring that out. And then he kind of got to a comfortable place where he didn't really want to grow anymore. And as a business development professional, I was like, I want to continue to grow. I want to continue to sell and, and build upon the brand. So I moved on to a roofing company that for about two and a half years, took them from 2 million to the last year I was there, we did five trending towards 6 million the following the year I left. Um, and then I got into coaching. So very long story short, I had, when I was with the roofing company, I was a player coach. I had my own pipeline and I managed a group of three to four people, actually two to four people, depending on timing. But I want to make my sales guys more like me. And I sat down and said, what makes me me? What differentiates me? And I kind of wrote my sales process out from start to finish. What do I do? When do I do it? Why do I do it? Where do I track it? All that. I went back and read it and was like, this is a course. Like I could probably do something with this. 
Um, and I had in that process, I also had several business owners reach out like, Hey, Mike, I see what you're doing with these companies. Like, what should I be doing? How would you solve this problem? I was kind of coaching for free. And I kind of ran a trial with my sales guy that was out of market and said, if I can teach him this strategy and help him grow, it's a proof of concept and I'll try and coach for a living. So that was the end of 2017 into 2018 wild success. That dude went from like 200 K in sales, to like 900 K in sales when all we did was change this process to more of how I do things. So I started at WinRate Consulting uh, April, 2018. 2018 went pretty well, kind of did the basic stuff. End of 2018, uh, left the roofing company. I've been coaching full-time ever since. And in the last year, between the masterminds, the course, uh, and my one-on-one coaching, I've helped about 80 companies in the last, uh, you know, 18 months or so. And it's been a lot of fun, a lot of a lot of great stories, a lot of people who are kind of down and out that are now flourishing. And it's been a really cool experience to kind of be a part of that. That's awesome. And I've heard you say on other podcasts and, and videos before that you really love that, like really having an impact on that small to medium sized business. Uh, and certainly when you can, when you can like add or help companies add that, those types of numbers, uh, both revenue and profit, like you're, you're changing, changing people's lives, I assume. I could probably give you 10 names right now, people who probably still wouldn't be in business. And like, that's not me bragging. It's just, yeah. you know, what a lot of business owners happen is you get in those trenches, you get in those whirlwinds, you kind of get in those cycles. And without an outside perspective, there's no one to stop it from spinning. And when you're just not feeling it and you have a bad mindset, you have a bad attitude toward things, things really haven't gone your way. You see a lot of negativity and depression and anxiety without someone to kind of pull you out of that and to give you some perspective and to give you a direction there's a lot of times you don't come out of that tailspin and I didn't want to see that. And like, I really enjoyed working for people. Like I was vice president of business development, kind of sales marketing for both those companies. And I realized like, I really enjoy coaching and I, I could have a bigger impact on this industry by being a coach full time, as opposed to just helping one business at a time from a, from a position of employment. And man, it's been a, it's been a blast of an 18 months. I mean, just like everybody else, I've gone through my own growing pains. You know, I'm a sales guy, I'm an operations manager now. And, uh, you know, so it's been fun, but overall it's been a wild 18 months and it's, it's been a lot of fun helping a lot of people. There's no smooth sailing in the construction industry. So wild is kind of the, you know, the name of the game here, uh, but we all, we all signed up for it for some reason. And, and yeah, what you would talk about as far as going through those growing pains and those challenges and, and not, you know, being so ingrained in your business that like, you don't have the clarity to make those decisions. I mean, that to me is I've been doing this for eight years now, almost eight years next month, actually. And uh, that to me, those are like the worst times. And so I've always been a fan of hiring coaches and getting some mastermind groups and getting some perspective, getting some some clarity and decision making, sharing that kind of journey with others. One of uh, the business coaches I had, Tim Conley, now is a, uh, a partner here at Contractor Dynamics and our CMO. So like it's uh, it, it's uh, it's so valuable to have to just not be like stuck in the grind all the time and thinking that just because you're doing it now, that's what you have to do. Well, I'm sure you experienced this too when you're coaching. I mean, you kind of coach companies through their marketing strategies and that sort of thing, right? But more often, I don't say more often than not, but a lot of the time they know what to do. They just don't feel confident doing it because they don't know for sure. And a lot of times those decisions have a dip before you actually see success from it. And making it through those valleys is really what grows success and having somebody guiding you through the dark sides or the growing pains or the, the expectations of what's going to happen. Cause you know, stagnation in decision-making will cripple your business and having yeah. somebody who's seen those decisions or somebody who's seen good and bad decisions being made in those situations, I mean, is incredibly valuable to help you kind of shorten that failure gap and get to a yeah. where you're you're where you want to be. Absolutely. And the more that you're in that grind and you're like in the weeds, the more difficult it is to have the ability to make those decisions, like those bigger picture on the business type decisions because you're just like you're operating from like survival mode and it's not like, you know, you have to get into kind of abundance mode to think about like what do I really want? And how do I how do I start to make those changes? I've heard you say uh, in another piece of content that actually let me look at my notes here you hear this from your clients i know i should do x but and you kind of help them with that but so what are some of the excuses or you know not excuses what are some of the reasons that you hear for that but like what follows that and how do you coach someone to get over that that but 
So one of the bigger things in general is adding activities, whether it's prospecting, content creation, social media utilization, um, networking, whatever it is, right? It's, well, I don't have time for that. I know I need to do it, but I'm not comfortable. I know I need to do it, but I don't have somebody for that. I know you do it, but I don't like the way I look on camera. That's one of the biggest ones. This is so annoying to me. And I'm sorry if you say this. I'm not, this is not meant to upset anybody, but you look the same in person that you do on camera. Why do you think walking into a client's house is different than just being on camera? I don't understand. But you, like, you're not your target market. And like, this isn't a knock on anybody. I'm not trying to minimize anybody's success. But as a contractor, a lot of the times you sell projects you couldn't afford. A lot of the times, especially when you're in the elective world, like a lot of the contractors I help are remodelers, addition guys. And a lot of the times you couldn't afford the projects you're doing. You're not your target market. You don't live in the town where you work or where you like to work. I mean, very yeah. rarely are you doing work for your neighbors because if you yeah. are, you should be leveling up. Like I think you should always be doing work a little bit above where you're at because it helps you make more money, right? But I think one of the, the biggest things I do to help overcome that but is – people don't realize the reward on the other side of that activity. Like the struggle of change, they don't know which one's worth it and which one's not. And they might be able to see the first step or two, but because they can't visualize the entire track, they stop. They're like, well, I don't know, you know, I'll do this, but what if this happens? It's like, what if it doesn't? Like, you know, you need to prepare more for what if it wildly works than what if it doesn't work? Like, what if you get 25 perfect clients tomorrow as opposed to no clients for the next five weeks like 25 perfect clients would be a harder problem to solve than no clients right just yeah. in general so, so and so many people look at well what if it doesn't work and i'm always like well what if it does work you know what one of these things and it's typically time related typically people complain i don't have time for this or i don't have time for that or you know i i committed to shooting some videos but then like this thing happened it's because they don't prioritize the activities because they don't really visualize the success or what success would look like on the other side of that. And it happens all the time because I'm really big on content and social media engagement. That's kind of how we met in the power of social media. And in the world of this space, until you get that perfect lead or until you close some business because of a video you shot, you don't really believe in it. You just assume it's never going to work for you. 100% of the time, if you are consistently putting out video content, you are going to close business through your DMs, 100% of the time, it's just how consumers do business at this point. You sell to homeowners. Homeowners use social media. They use Nextdoor and Facebook groups and things like that. So if you're not on those spaces, you know, we were talking about it um, off camera where you're in the process now of, of interviewing or looking at some contractors for a big project for your home and you have a few people catching your eye solely because of their ability to be seen on social media. Right. And if you're people, there's probably a great contractor right next door that would be a perfect, but you don't know about them. So you're not going to slide in that direction. And what I tell people is, is how bad does it hurt when you drive past a client's house that a competitor is working on to one of your projects that you just didn't get because they didn't even know about you? Use that thought, that pain to overcome the challenge of doing whatever it is. Because if you don't start, you're gonna see more and more of your competition beat you to projects that you should have. Man, so many things to unpack there. Uh, so you mentioned that people are, get stuck on that butt because they don't visualize the, the, the future that they could have. And I like to think about it as push versus pull. So if you're pushed to do video content, like you know that the carrot versus the stick, if it's a stick, like just nudging you to do content, and you don't have something like pulling you toward that future, like an internal why, then you're not gonna do it. Or as soon as it becomes hard, or as soon as something else comes up, uh, then you're not gonna do it. But if you have a vision of your future self, your business that is pulling you there, then you're always gonna find a way to prioritize it, right? So, you know, you might get busy on a Tuesday and something comes up, but guess what? You're gonna put that on your calendar for Wednesday because it's that important. So we all make time for those things that are important to us, right? We're super busy, we're both busy. It's, it's June right now, our clients are uh, super busy. We're making time for this podcast because we understand how important it is to, to uh, build our brands, our company's brands, and more importantly, uh, be able to help more people, be able to reach more people and have that impact that you're talking about? Well, it comes down to prioritizing properly. And I think a lot of contractors, and maybe you might think I'm wrong, but I think a lot of contractors are really good at planning for short-term stuff and really bad at planning for long-term stuff. And your entire strategy has to have a mix of both. 
You need some long-term strategy and you need to be executing short-term. And I say this a lot. I think this might help a lot of people, but if you were in a client meeting right now and your phone rang with a number that you didn't know, it could be a prospect. It may not be. You would not interrupt that client meeting to take that phone call. More often than not, maybe you do, but more often than not, you're not going to interrupt that activity with a distraction. Why is prospecting different? Why is content creation different? Why is social medialization different? Because you believe that that's not important as that call or that client or that employee or that sub. Because if one of your employees called you and you're in the middle of one of your biggest pitches ever, you're not going to interrupt that meeting to take that employee phone call. So why is it any different when you're doing other activities that have a long-term strategy? That Long-term strategy is more important than short-term strategy, which is why so many contractors have that feast or famine sales cycle. They do a bunch of effort, get a bunch of work, stop doing effort, lose their pipeline, finish work, start over. It's this constant feast or famine kind of, kind of roller coaster. Yeah. And, but it's because of the prioritization struggle of, well, because this isn't going to pay off for a while, this thing, this fire is more important right now. And I'm really big on time blocking. Like I, my time management training is really focused on time blocking where I have specific time blocks throughout the week for specific activities. So if a client calls me or an employee calls me, I know I'm going to have time to get back to them. That's one of the biggest, I guess, angst or frustrations for business owners when something gets added to your plate and you don't know when you're going to be able to handle it is when you really get flustered and frustrated and start dropping balls. But if you had a way to, okay, this client called, I'm going to drop that into this bucket because I'm in the middle of this activity. This employee called, I know I have time for them later today. If you had that, you can be incredibly more tactical with your time and not allow yourself to get interrupted because 98% of the time, whatever that interruption is, could wait. 98% of the time. Maybe 99. I don't know. Maybe 100%. I don't know. But it's a very large percentage of times when your phone rings, if you didn't get back to them for 30 to 90 minutes, nothing would be negatively impacted. But you'll interrupt what you're doing. You see a lot with like bookkeeping. No one wants to do that, right? Social media creation, content creation, employee development, right? All these things that are not fun parts of the job but are necessary to grow a meaningful business over time, you'll allow yourself to be distracted and it pulls away from all those other activities that you really need to be doing when that thing could almost always wait. Absolutely, Mike. And I, I'm a big fan of time blocking. I'm a big fan of making sure that you're focusing on the important, I'm sure you've heard the, or seen the important versus urgent matrix. Yep. So there's those things that are, you have the, the not urgent, not important things, which why the heck are you doing them? Stop doing those. Uh, most, most of us focus on the urgent but not important. It's like, what's what's in front of us? Oh, there's a notification. Oh, I got to get to that right away. That's what most people go through their days doing. And it's complete chaos. And the important stuff doesn't get done. And I've been there before, for sure. Uh, much, much more focused now on the important. I don't get any notifications on my phone. We have a receptionist that answers calls. We get back to everyone the same day. One of the big wins that I've had this year in 2020 is I've I have a 90 minute block every single morning from 5.30 to seven where there's no distractions and I, uh, I pre-plan what I'm gonna be working on. So it's 90 minutes working on that thing, that project, no Facebook, no email, like nothing. I have some, some jazz music and the, the old AirPods here and that gets done. So that's a huge win for the day right there. Even if the rest of my day is chaos, which it rarely is, I have that win. Um, and I recommend that for everyone. Don't start your day waking up and checking your email and checking Facebook and all this nonsense. There's nothing um, good there. There's nothing dude, good there. Yeah. So like work on your priorities and the compound effect of doing that day in and day out uh, is incredible. It's it's incredible. Well, so. A big part of it is just setting proper expectations. Like if you from the beginning tell clients like, hey, if you call me, I'm likely in the middle of something. I'll always get back to you within this time frame. You know, one of the biggest parts of the time management training I do is the final part, which is where you call your 20 to 25 core people and let them know when you're going and not going to be available going forward. You're, and it should, should really say, hey, I'm reanalyzing re my time management. I need to be more focused on these things. Here's when I'm not going to be available for you to call. By all means, call me. I'll get back to you during these timeframes. And that's the, one of the most important parts of implementing a new time management system is that everybody around you, your core 20 to 25 people, whatever that is, 
know that your time is changing because those distractions, the people who are used to getting you immediately will be the reason you are or are not successful at implementing owning your time again. Because if you're just reacting to every fire that pops up as it pops up, I mean, you're just an employee in your business and you're never really moving anywhere. You're just constantly running around putting fires out. Yeah, you get to the end of the day. It's like, whatever, 5 p.m., 7 p.m., 9 p.m. And you're like, man, I am like, I was cranking all day. I was slammed. And then you're like, I didn't, what did I really do? Like, what did I really accomplish today? Like, we've had those days where you just feel like you're running around like crazy and it's just nothing gets done. And that's why there's no intentionality around around how you spend your time. My friends, my kind of high school buddies, a close group, they'll make fun of me because I don't answer my phone or, you know, any, like sometimes a text during the day, but I, I don't answer random calls during the day. Uh, and I always get back to them that night or I try to anyway. And not to knock like business owner versus employee at a large corporation, but you know, hey, this is, <laughs> it's different. This is my business, okay? Like there is different. Not that jobs and employees are not important. Don't want to get that uh, confused at all. It's different. So, uh, and everyone's situation is different. Uh, so you got to be intentional about that and create those boundaries and, and, you know, train people, train your clients on, on how to interact with you, right? How to, if they text you at 10 o'clock at night and you respond, well, then you've just trained them that it's okay to text you at 10 o'clock at night. So don't complain that they, the next week you get another text at 10 o'clock at night because you've implicitly said that it's okay to do that because I will respond to you right away. Well, and the last best practice on this is, is your time blocks are not like a forever thing. Like I probably rebuild mine once every like 90 days because my priorities change, my projects change, my clientele changes. Because with my one-on-one coaching clients, we have a call the same time, the same day every week. Well, as I add new clients, my routine changes, where I need to fit people in changes. So I just went through this with somebody else, one of my new clients last week. And, you know, they're like, oh, so how long am I, is this just like this forever? And I'm like, no, like you have to reevaluate every 90 days based on priorities and activities and employee count, all these things. So don't think that you said it's got to be that way forever. I mean, don't change it every week, but understand that it will, uh, it's a living thing and it will mold with you as your priorities and business needs change. Yeah, 100%. That, that morning time block that I was talking about, 530 to 7, I got that from Craig Ballantyne in his book, uh, The Perfect Day Formula. And he's like, even if you're, you know, you wake up and you work out, right? Which is me. For the last 15 years, I've woken up, you know, slam some water, uh, go run or go to the gym. Like, that's my thing. And he's like, even if you're you're that guy or girl, trust me and try this just for a week. Like, try this thing where you get up. The first 90 minutes are spent on your most important activity. And then you can do your workout and whatnot. And that was a big shift for me because I've been doing the same routine for 15 years. And I tried it for a week. I'm like, all right, I'll... I'll try it. I'll just, you know, I don't want to try to be smarter than him. I'm going to try to just follow his advice. And that was like five weeks ago. And I, I love it. Uh, I love it. And my, this, this gym near us is opening up right now and it's like outdoor classes and my wife is going to join it. And, uh, I was like, what time are the classes? She's like five 30 and 8 AM. And I'm like, Oh, I like my new schedule. That doesn't work with my new schedule. So have fun. Like I want to, uh, but you know, it just doesn't jive. And then on that other point of, of things being kind of fluid, actually just talking about that this morning with my partner, Tim. So we have our, our group client calls, uh, every Tuesday and Wednesday, and there's like a 10 AM one on Tuesday and 10 AM on Wednesday. And I was like, well, I want to like July 15th, which is like a, a month from now, I want to shift those to the afternoon so I can reserve the morning time for, you know, more focused work. And yeah, don't be afraid to, to mix that up for sure. That makes a ton of sense. So I'm so glad we got into the, the time management because it, it's true. Like you can coach on sales. I can train and coach on marketing, but like you need to have that fundamental aspect of the, the time management. And I'm so well, glad. It's the only way you can add things, right? Because I come in typically and I'm there to create change in their sales and business development routines and success. Well, to do that, a lot of the time we need to either remove or add different activities. Well, the first but is always, man, I just don't have time for that. I mean, like, it's back to your original question, like the yeah, but like, I know I need to, but it's almost always around time. So I started just saying, hey, the first training I do with every client is time management. Because I know when we six, eight, 12 weeks into this, I'm going to start asking you to do things you are not doing now. And you need to have time and space allocated for those things. And right now, I bet if I added four hours of work to your week, you would say you couldn't do it.
Four hours. I'm adding four hours of activity to your work. It's 45 minutes a day. You telling me you can't find time for that? Yeah, man, I'm just too busy. Then we have a time management issue. So I saw that so many times. I just, I lead every new client with a time management training. Literally 95% of the time that first meeting we go through, here's how we're going to start structuring your time. Because then it gives me time to hold them accountable to implementing it. Because I have a whole routine I go with through them with to do that. But I mean, it's always the first but is always, yeah, but I'm not going to have time for that. You are wasting more time than you realize by not preparing properly, by being reactive, by not structuring it with intentional time. You know, it takes you three hours to do a five minute task because you allow yourself to keep getting distracted. Like you have more time than you think. Yeah, 100% on that. And that's a great example, Mike, of listening and observing the problems that people, that your prospects and clients are having and not just trying to to jam your sales training down their throats. Like you have to do this, you gotta find time. Like you're actually listening to their feedback and saying, okay, well, you've got this problem, this challenge, I'm gonna offer you this solution. And that's a great segue for getting into how you train your clients on uh, positioning and differentiation and selling. So what is it that, that, that you see over and over when your clients remodeling companies, contracting companies are like, yeah, we, you know, we have our process, this is how we do it, uh, but we still are, are contacting you because we need help. Like it's just not working the way we want. How's that conversation start? Typically they've, they've reached some sort of stagnation or reduction in revenue. Like they had a great 2019 and 2020 didn't go the way they wanted to. And there's something that they want to add. So every one of my client situations is unique and customized. Like I have clients that do a half a million dollars in sales a year and I have clients that do eight to $10 million a year in sales. So they have wildly different problems. So a lot of times it's about how do we modernize our approach to, to relate to our younger audience, right? Cause your average client is younger than it used to be significantly more technology savvy and significantly focused on the client experience from a, how easy are you to do business with? So a lot of times it's coming in saying, Hey Mike, we're we're hitting a plateau. We've been at the same number for the last two years. We're trying to get to that next level, and we've done all we can do on our own. You know, a lot of my clients will say, "Hey man, like I've I've tried all the free options, and I just couldn't make it work for me." So, really, what hiring a coach a lot of the times is about accountability and implementation to make it relatable to your business. Because, look, you could YouTube or read anything I teach. Like it's out there. The information's there. Same here. Same for you. I mean, like you could Google it and figure it out or find it somewhere. The challenge is implementing it into your ecosystem with the people you have and the, and the fears and anxieties and hesitations you have and overcoming those and ultimately just being held accountable. There's a lot of business owners that, yeah, I tried that three times. I just couldn't sustain it. Well, we're going to try and we're going to help you do that because my one-on-one coaching clients, we talk every week. So like they know there's a do, there's a to-do list. There's a, there's a deadline and Mike's not like, I'm not like a, okay, well, I'm sorry you didn't want to do it this week. Maybe we'll try next week. No, that's not how I coach <laughs> my content. Like, I don't pretend to coach that way. Like, I'm, I'm an accountability focus because I know most business owners know what to do, just don't have the the sustainability and account and self-accountability to do it. So, but I'd say at a baseline, it's a lot of people who are either stagnant in growth or starting to see a reduction in revenue bring me in to try and just create some change or create some scalability or create some systems and processes to create... Um, you know, systemic consistency that most contractors miss. Like they just don't do things consistently and creates a wildly in inconsistent client experience. Are there common issues that you see why companies stagnate, why they plateau? I think the biggest thing is that a consistent client experience, because what happens if you look at it from that perspective is let's say we're going to use Bob is client A and Steve is client B. So Bob, you come in, you're clean cut, you're on time, you ask good questions, you give good suggestions, you deliver your proposal on time, you kill the project, you follow up, you show appreciation, you give them a gift, Bob loves you. Bob refers you to Steve and Steve gets the other guy. And the other guy shows up late, doesn't ask guy, good questions, doesn't sorry, get value added stuff, doesn't deliver the proposal on time or doesn't follow up at all. Steve still might hire you because Bob said so. And Bob, you can trust Bob. Maybe the guy just had a, the sales guy had a bad day, but they get in the project and the consistency of inconsistency goes on. And some of your subs don't deliver the same way. Some of your finished work doesn't end the same way. 
Well, then Steve goes to Bob and say, Bob, is this, this is the company you referred to me? And now Bob's embarrassed. Bob doesn't, Bob's confused. Bob's, that's not the experience I had. But now Bob and Steve can't refer you because they don't know which version of you they're going to get today. And that is how a lot of businesses start to stagnate because they just like your marketplace does not understand what you do or the quality of work that you do because it varies depending on what sub you're using, what sales rep they get. You know, if you have like a good telltale sign is if you have call, if your people calling asking for a specific sales rep, your system's not built right. Your, your, your training is not consistent enough. It happens sometimes, but if every one of your sales reps has a great, it happens sometimes, but you'll, if you have the same guy that's like not closing as many deals and a lot of people are calling for the other guy, you need to have the same client experience every time because the Bob and Steve story happens all the time. It happens because you had a bad day, you had a bad job, you had a bad sub run, you had a bad supplier issue, it all happens. But when Steve goes to Bob and said, Bob, this is the guy you referred to me, he's shit in the bed. Now, Bob's frustrated because he's embarrassed. Steve is not mad at you as much as he's mad at Bob. And now you lost two referral partners in the same neighborhood or worse, they're talking bad about you. And that like-minded community say, they're not worth the risk because you just don't like, they're good, but I actually wrote a blog of the power of the word, but like you can either say, Hey, they do great work, but they don't communicate well, or Hey man, they're expensive, but they're worth it. That, mm. that power of that, but can slide one way or the other incredibly easily and either make or ruin your reputation. Because you've all heard that statement before. You've all heard a version of that when talking to somebody. Yeah, man, like they do great work, but whoo-wee, they were tough to deal with. That is gold. Hey, man, like they're they're expensive, but it was worth every dollar. I felt comfortable the whole time. They managed everything. They took care of my house. They took care of my property. They left this awesome gift. Like you're, it's worth spending the money. Yeah. So what side of that do you want to be on? Which guy, do you, which company do you want to be? And it really comes down, in my opinion, to how well and consistent is your client experience from the first time they see you on social media to the time you're sending them a one year thank you gift. Like everything, it's all got to be consistent. They have to know what to expect because when people know and like you, you'll get some work when they get, when they bridge to the trust factor, you'll never have to worry about it again. Yeah. That, that is gold right there. And we can all think as consumers, whether it's a product or a service and we get asked for recommendations, say by a neighbor or a friend, I only like to give recommendations when it's like I can 100% vouch for them. Like I don't want to have my, my friend have a bad experience or uh, we used to do marketing services. We used to build websites for roofing companies and every week we get two or three uh, roofing companies like, yo, I need a website. Do you have anyone you recommend? I know you guys don't do it anymore. And honestly, I, I don't like, I know there's companies that can build good websites, but like, I don't want to give someone a good website. Like I want to have, I want to give someone a great experience. Right. Um, well, cause it's a representation it of you as the referral. Yeah. And I'm a trusted advisor to my clients, just as you are like, all right, Mike's my guy. Like what if Mike tells me to buy this or check out Joe Hughes, I'm going to check him out. You know, same thing here. If I am referring people over to you and saying, Hey, you should really listen to Mike. He's got some good points. Like, I'm going to 100% stand behind that. If you're inconsistent with that or I'm inconsistent with, you know, the way I deal with you or your clients, like, see ya, you know? There's no Chick-fil-A and, and McDonald's. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, when you go to Chick-fil-A, it doesn't matter where you are in the country, you're getting the same exact experience. And that's why they make five times the revenue of everybody else combined on one less day a week. Like, you are going there for the experience because it's just a chicken sandwich. I mean, it's just a chicken sandwich. It's not outstanding. It's a good chicken sandwich. What's outstanding is the experience and the consistency. And that's like McDonald's is the opposite, at least around me. Like you don't, well, depending on which McDonald's you go to, it's a crapshoot. What kind of experience you're going to get? Is your food going to be right? And that's the difference. That's why yeah. Chick-fil-A kills and McDonald's and many of the others struggle. Mike, I have a confession to make. I've never been, I've never uh, been to a Chick-fil-A. Is that bad? I'm going to fly you to Charlotte. <laughs> and we're going to compare the Popeyes to the Chick-fil-A sandwich. I have not uh, had the Popeyes sandwich. Um, 
But yeah, no, you should. Do they have them? No, they they do. I uh, and and from a marketing perspective, I get it. Like my my cousin owns a, a gym, and they're modeling their small gym off of like Chick Fil A's processes and everything. And I know it's it's a amazing case study in business. Um, and I've heard it's good. I just haven't tried it, so I'll put that on my list. No, like immediately, like call <laughs> and go get a chicken sandwich. Ah, <laughs> uh, man. I mean, that makes total sense. We can all see this. Hopefully, listeners are like listeners or viewers are like, all right, I get it. And I do have those guys. I do have uh, you know that that one awesome sales rep and that that awesome designer on my team. Then we also have these other guys and girls that are like, okay. So how do I, as an owner of a remodeling company or roofing company, how do I, how do I SOP my business? How do I like standardize the things that we do so our our clients get a consistent product and, and service? So there's two things that I that most don't do, and this is business as a whole. This is not this is not to just the construction industry, but one, you need to videotape your trainings, videotape so that like. No matter who comes in, they all get the same message. Because as a busy business owner, like a new hire this week might get all my attention and a new hire next week might get none of it. Like you can't have that onboarding disparity because that'll create massive mindset and culture issues and, and sustainability and consistency. Like it's just bad. But then second, it is not fun initially, but you need to be consistently role-playing. Because if you ask one, you should be able to ask any of your people the same question and get somewhat of a similar answer. Like everybody should know the same thing or the same process. Like for me, I think there's five main parts of a sales process in home. You got to break the ice. You got to build rapport. You got to collect scope. You got to soft close. You got to set next steps. I think that's, I don't, I, one call closes are done. Like if you're one call closing right now, I'm happy for you, but that's not how the consumers are making decisions or want to make decisions anymore. You should probably try and do a two call close if that's how you're doing it right now. Personal opinion, do what you want with that. But those five things, if, if your team has the right strategy, the right routine, the right effect for those five parts of a meeting, you will win, period. Because if you're breaking the ice well, you're building good rapport with people, you're giving value value added suggestions while collecting scope, you're, you're using a soft close approach and you're setting next steps properly, you will win incredibly more often. So like you have to figure out for your business, what are the key points of your process that need to be documented? Document them via video. I've gone as far as seeing people take a videographer to a client meeting. Hey client, do you mind? We're doing a little bit of training. We're gonna get some video. Do you mind being in a video for us while I walk through my sales process with you? It won't be any different. I just wanna document it so my team can get some training. Or you you know, create a role play situation and do it on your own. But then you need to consistently check in and role play with your team. It can't be like, are right, you gonna watch these videos? We're gonna role play once and good luck. I'll see you in six months. No, it's like every week in your sales meetings, you should be bringing up objections that your team is seeing and overcoming them together. You should be talking about breaking the ice and finding ways to build rapport because the minute you became, you create a personal relationship with that person, their, their guard comes down immediately. You can see it in their face and how they communicate and how they stand. When you go from, I'm a contractor and you're a homeowner to, we are here together to solve the problem that you have, you inherently get better chances to win. So figure out for your business, whatever business you're in, I mean, obviously most of your clients are roofers, so it might be a little bit different for that space than in interior kind of elective type stuff. But in general, figure out the key points of your process that you need to be consistent. It could be your onboarding, it could be your qualifying questionnaire, it could be how your receptionist is handing off to other people, it could be how your sales guy is transitioning to the production manager, it could be how you wanna run an in-home sales meeting. Video document it, and then regular, regular role playing so that you know everybody's answering things and overcoming objections and building rapport similarly. It's, it's not fun to implement initially if you haven't been doing it, but once you do, everybody will appreciate it. I bet. And hey, if I'm a homeowner and a, a, a remodeling company comes to me and, and does like that first meeting and they have a video guy or girl and they say that, you know, hey, we're just going to document you mine, I'll be like, yeah, that's awesome. Like clearly this company like cares and has their act together enough to like do this. Like, okay, that, that actually gives me a lot of confidence that they they uh, have a process and they care about that experience. Well, the first part to say, well, you know, I don't want to spend money on that, right? I mean, like a videographer for a day is probably 1500 bucks, maybe two grand, 
Maybe. How much is your time worth every time you hire somebody, you have to sit down and go through the same training with them? Like, and, and, and like, depending on your mood, you may or may not deliver it the same way, or you may or may not give it the right attention, or you may or may not miss pieces. Because as business owners, the majority of our decision-making is between our ears, not on paper. Mm-hmm. So you don't remember what you did and didn't talk about because it was just whatever was on your mind that day. You need a consistent onboarding training program for sales and production. It doesn't matter. Operations, I mean, all of it. If you can have a video document of all things, even simple things like how to implement something into our CRM, something that someone can go back and watch instead of calling you, hey man, where do I put the address in here? Hey man, where do the notes go? Or hey man, I'm trying to upload pictures. I don't know what I'm doing. Like all those things could be documented in a video that they can access through a platform and they're not bugging you with stuff that you have better things to be doing. Yeah, and hey, if you if you really can't afford a video person for the day, we've all got one of these in our pocket, right? They take good enough videos until you can graduate to that next level. take plenty good enough video. Yeah, so that don't use that as an excuse. Like I don't know a video person. Like we've all got a video. There's a lot of tools that you can uh, use with an iPhone or a smartphone for sure. And I can imagine, Mike, when you have all your sales reps on the same page and they're following the same process. And they're going out there and they're doing their meetings all throughout the week. And then you have your weekly sales meeting. And guess what? Like everyone's doing the same things. You can compare notes and help one another level up all at the same time. Whereas if everyone's doing their own thing, there's no, it's hard to have a conversation about how do you improve because it's so onesie twosie. There's no, there's no consistency there, right? It also improves culture and morale because especially with a lot of roofing companies who still rely on door knockers, those guys feel like they're on an island. And like a lot of times they don't get the support they actually need. And, and, they're, and they're not ballsy enough to ask for more because that's just not the cool thing to do. But when you have everybody kind of helping each other and using a similar process and talking about that process together, even if they're contractors, 1099 guys, they start to feel like they're part of, of, the, of the program. They're part of the business as opposed to like one guy closed a million dollars this week, another guy closed 10 grand and they're in the same sales meeting doing things differently and no one wants to help each other because they view each other as competition. And it's like, what the hell are you doing? You're creating this environment of, of contrast and, and aggression between your sales reps. When like, if they were just supporting each other, everybody would win. All right, so let me rant for a second. Two things here. So we provide marketing training for roofing companies and some uh, high caliber, uh, super motivated individuals, 1099 sales reps. And we get inquiries from sales reps on, on the regular, like their contact form to us is like, Hey, I just started working for this roofing company. I, I want to figure out how to get leads. And like, dude, like what's the roofing company doing? That's hiring people. That's not giving them a system to succeed to where you have a sales rep reaching out to an outside marketing training company like us trying to figure it out. Or number two, when you have sales reps, like you see them in the Facebook groups, at least in roofing, uh, like, hey, I just started working, like started working in the roofing industry for, you know, whatever company, what I do, anyone got any tips on like how to, you know, how to get business or how to do this? Like, are you serious? Like you should ask yourself why you started working for that roofing company if they hired you, hired you as a 1099, and now you're going to Facebook to get trained? Like that makes, like that blows my mind. Like completely. It's gotta be one of the highest turnover positions in our industry is like that outside roofer, sales rep, 1099, yeah. you know, commission only guy. And why would you want to start over every two to three months because you did not give that guy the support, that girl the support that they needed to be successful? You know, I partner with a woman out of Dallas who runs a, you know, they did seven million last year, they're on pace to do twelve million this year. And they have a very consistent interview process, onboarding, training, consistency. They make people feel part of the team and, you know, she's grown to 15 or 16 sales reps. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, to have a six figure earner is a pretty big deal in that, in that space. And, you know, they're all doing close to a million dollars or more a year. And that's not common. Yeah. I was going to say, if you're, if you're uh, earning six figures as a sales rep, then you're producing at least a million bucks in revenue. So why wouldn't you as an owner invest in those people? It's in their best interest. It's in your best interest. It's in your client's best interest. It's like a win-win-win. So, But I think it goes uh, back to the same, like because they don't have consistency, because they don't have intent for their schedule, they're just like, oh, I don't have time to do that. You don't have time to not do that. Yeah. Do you, do you have time to hire and train 
uh, new sales reps every couple months, like you said, like, no, that's just like being operating on the hamster wheel. Question, what's one of the biggest things, I think that consistent client experience, I mean, one of the bigger things I do in my overall coaching is we almost always go through a, a full documentation of your sales process. I have kind of a, a big questionnaire I go through and help people walk through the documentation process of that. So they have something on paper because a lot of times, even the best sales reps miss things because it gets out of routine or doesn't come up that often or they just forget. And having that document is something you can look at and train on can be huge in keeping a consistent experience. Oh, absolutely. You mentioned a couple of things before that I want to circle back on here. Uh, the, the soft close and the try to make it a two meeting close, not a one, not one meeting close. What, what is a soft close and why is that more valuable right now? So consumers are incredibly used to spending as much time as they want doing their research before making a decision right now because of the access of information. So they want the ability to make a decision after they've done their own decision process, right? And many people that includes an enormous amount of research between social media, the internet, you know, group chats, Facebook pages, you know, community pages, whatever, they're not prepared to make a decision on the first call. And that's my opinion. Um, you know, it depends on your industry too. I mean, if you're a restoration company and their house is flooding, different situation. This is more of the elective, even some on the insurance side. But what the soft close does, if you've asked a lot of good questions and you uncover their decision process, you uncover their budget, you uncover their timeline, you know, the formula I use for the soft close is if I can accomplish X scope within Y budget by Z timeframe, are you prepared to move forward with me or us or however you want to see that? So what that does is, is it, it puts them on the spot to actually tell you what their objections are or what you have to overcome in the process in order to close their business. Cause they might say, Hey, you know, I'm not yet. I'm getting a couple other quotes or, Hey, I'm actually leaning in this direction because my brother, cousin's nephew, son, right? Like relationships is a big challenge to overcome. It's one of the harder objections to overcome because they have to put themselves in hot water with somebody else to hire you. That's a really hard objection to overcome. But if you say, Hey, are you prepared to move forward with me? If I can accomplish this scope within this budget by this time frame, And that's really where you uncover what you have to overcome or what they might want to see, or, Hey, you know, I'd want to maybe talk to some of your clients or, Hey, can I get a couple references or, you know, that's really where, you know, like, where do you stand? Because, you might hear, you know what, man, like not really, I'm kind of going in this direction. I'm just kind of using you for a second quote or a second opinion. Mm-hmm. Hey, great. Do you mind if I just send you a ballpark and not spend 10 hours putting together a formal proposal? Right. But you, if you didn't ask that question, you wouldn't know that. Like you think everything went great. They gave you a good feel. That person is just using you for a second opinion. This happens a lot in the elective remodel world um, where they're leaning in one direction, but they get other opinions just to make sure the price is fair. What's stopping you from moving forward with me? Like, or are you prepared to move forward with me? And if they say yes, man, now you're excited about doing that proposal. Maybe you will put a little more effort into it. Cause we've all had those meetings walk out like, I'm never getting that one. And then you half asked the proposal and like you never really gave yourself a fair chance to get it because you didn't approach it right. So this kind of gives you that feel and sense of like, where do you stand on the totem pole? Where do they stand in their decision process? And what is the likelihood outcome of you putting the effort into this proposal? Because creating proposals isn't as easy as it used to be. They have to be a lot more detailed. There's typically a lot more stuff going into them. You know, the amount of fixtures and finishes and options is enormous compared to what it was 10 years ago. So, you know, Hmm. there's just more that goes into it. So that soft close is really, you know, hey, based on our meeting today, I understand this is your scope. This is your budget. This is your timeline. So if I'm able to accomplish this scope, with this budget, by this time frame, are you prepared to move forward with me? And you're going to either, they're going to say, no, not really. They're going to say yes, or, hey, this is, these are some things I'm considering before I'm able to move forward with you. So, because basically you're taking out the objection of price, scope, or timeline. You're saying, if I can do this scope with this budget by this timeline, because you don't know yet a lot of the time, you got to go do some research, that sort of thing. And yeah, I'm not sure, but if I'm able to do all this, are you prepared to move forward with me? you took out the three main objections they would have for you, right? Either you can't complete the full scope, you can't hit the budget, you can't do the timeline. Those are the easy objections. Like, you know, those are coming. But other than that, if I'm able to do all of that, are you prepared to move forward with me? So now you know what you need to go accomplish 
and what you need to deliver on to close that deal. I think that really puts you in a position to truly understand what it is you need to accomplish to give yourself the best chance to close that deal. That might be the the takeaway of this whole episode here. That That's huge. Implement that one question. And I think a lot of sales reps and even business owners, we get so excited about the prospect of having, getting this job that we're like, okay, Mike, awesome, sounds good. And you like run your truck and you run back to the office and you're like so excited to do the estimate because you're scared of what those objections might be. So you just avoid them. And we call it, you know, in our sales meetings, like hunt them down, hunting down those objections. Like, what are they? Like ask questions and yeah, you might hear something that you won't want to hear or hear something that you're not prepared to overcome. But yeah, like you said, it's going to save you potentially hours of time and aggravation and energy and anxiety and frustration and stress and all those things. If we just have this conversation of, uh, you know, I'm not a contractor, you're not a homeowner, but we are this team trying to figure out this problem together. And, uh, you know, being on that same side, I think is probably huge in, in winning more jobs, right? Huge. It's huge because you see it so much like, hey, man, that's awesome. You're excited. I'm excited. I'll get you a proposal next week. And let me know if you have any questions. That is the worst way to end a sales call in the history of sales calls. <laughs> Cricket. You're no next steps. You're getting no real understanding. You're getting no grasp of where they are in their decision process. You're just saying you're, there's nothing stopping them saying, cool, send me a proposal. I'm not, I'm not wanting yeah. to forward you, but what's, why, would I, why would I tell you no to do something free that helps me? Like, so, you know, without setting proper next steps or doing the soft close, you're just setting yourself up to waste a lot of time on something that you did not have a high propensity to win. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can smell it. It's like the old, uh, you know, send me some literature or like, you know, you got <laughs> the literature. Oh, yeah, I'll get that literature in the mail for you. Like, no, done. Move on to the next one. Yeah, so so be on the same page. Ask those questions. The soft close is, is gold. Uh, that's huge. Anything else, Mike, that we didn't cover as far as, what your clients are doing uh, to win. I mean, we could probably do an entire episode on my strategy for social media and content creation. You know, it's probably, we're, we're a little over on the, the time frame for this one. Like I probably talk for another 30 or 45 minutes on that. <laughs> but I'll, I'll say creating a consistency to your social media engagement is probably the biggest thing. Because when people post, hey, I had a great project, let me post for a couple of weeks, then you don't post for a couple more weeks, that inconsistency, like it kills engagement, it kills how many people are seeing it, it kills the algorithm. And then also when people go to research it, like they only post like every once in a while, like they're even really in business. Like it's just, if it's better to almost not post than to post that inconsistently. You, it's better to yeah. say like, hey, I just don't have a social media presence and say like, hey, I half-assed it. Cause it shows you don't have an attention to detail. It shows your approach isn't modern. It shows you don't know how to utilize the tools that your average client is utilizing from a social, from a online perspective. And all of that works against you. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, I would argue if you're not on social media, you can almost maybe be perceived as a company that is so good that they don't need social media. Maybe that's not the but, first place people are going to go. <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to argue that that's a huge vulnerability to your company because you might be slammed right now, but that's going to catch up with you for sure. And uh, yeah, with Mike, we were talking about it before we hit record. Where my wife and I are talking about putting an addition on the house, putting a level in the house, and. I, I grew up in this town. My wife grew up in this town. So we're, yeah, we're townies. Like we moved around a little bit and then we ended up back down here. So like, we know a ton of people. We know a ton of builders and remodelers and we're, but we're doing a research. My wife's doing a research on Instagram and it's like, she sent me this, this uh, company earlier today and she's like, oh, this woman owned business, which is not really a important to us but woman-owned business like she's out there she's doing instagram and stories and showing off her projects and like this is like i really like her style and like i would be like or i was thinking i was saying to my wife like how ironic would it be that we grew up here in this like i grew up two miles from here my wife grew up a mile from here how ironic would it be that we like chose someone that we don't know that we just found on instagram even though we ended up here but that very well might be the case because you know we can see her processes, we can see like the the work that she's done, we can see what her clients are saying about her and her work and their experience. Whereas you know there might be like I said an amazing builder two doors down from me that they might be amazing and their price might be perfect and their you know their processes might be awesome. But if I can't see those while I'm doing all this research, you know we might do two months worth of research before we ever pick up the phone and call a builder. You know, so not longer. I mean, for a project you're talking about, I mean, you might take six or eight months in research. Yeah, it's a big undertaking. It's going to be very intrusive into your space. It's going to be 
a big investment likely. I mean, you know, re remodel projects, you know, even something like a roof can be one of the bigger expenses somebody experiences in their life. You yeah. know, and you have to appreciate that as a contractor that, you know, you may have been thinking about it for, you know, 60 minutes. They might have been thinking about it for six years. Yeah, absolutely. So think about that as your, as your own company, take a pause from the daily grind and think about if your ideal client is out there right now, your ideal client, whatever that is for you, they're doing the research right here on this thing. Are you showing up? What are they seeing about you and your company? Are they seeing anything? Um, is what you have right here on this device going to be enough to help you win that ideal client? And that's going to give you a lot of clarity on what those next steps should be from a marketing perspective and, and a sales perspective as well, uh, showing off what you do. So really some great tips there, Mike. Thanks for sharing. Absolutely. So we've got a few minutes here. You uh, want to have some fun, get into a little bit of a lightning round, quick Q&A? Ready. I've never been in the corporate world. I've always worked for small businesses. I grew up in my family's construction business. You left a pretty, what sounds like pretty cushy job in the in the corporate world. Uh, you said you got burnt out. What what does that mean? Like, how do you, why were you burnt out with that? And why did you want to take that leap in a small business? So I did the same thing for a really long time with different clientele, but basically I sold connected technology for a while. And I think towards the end of my career, you know, I started selling in that world before smartphones. So I got to see a lot of technology advancement, but like the difference between like the iPhone six and iPhone seven really wasn't that great. Like it wasn't that different. Like there's in like the iPad three and the iPad four, not that much difference. But ultimately what came down to was the final decision for me was I was 27, 28 at the time realizing that like, this was my life. I was going to be doing this forever. And I thought I was just worth a lot more than that. And I was like, I was making, you know, in the mid hundreds, in my mid twenties, it's a lot of money for a kid that age, but it was, I was destined for more. I don't, that kind of sounds kind of cheesy, but like oh. I knew I was worth more than what I was making and I wanted to go out and work for a smaller company and prove it. Cool. You had that vision of expanding and that's, that's what it's all about. Uh, for sure. What book are you currently reading? Uh, must be good. No, it's, it's uh, <laughs> Brendan Bruchard, like uh, high performance habits. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. I'm reading it. It's on my nightstand right now. <laughs> it's in my car. Reading the in the morning before I go to the gym. Oh man, I, I I'm I'm disappointed that I haven't. I think it came out in 2017. Maybe I'm kicking myself for not reading it uh, sooner. I love it. I've read probably 95 books in the last three years, and so I just kind of like went one to the next to the next to the next. Yeah. And, and this one just kind of happened to be on the bookshelf next. But yeah, High Performance Habits by Brennan Rouchard. Great book. I just remember the order of the words. Like, Performance Habits? That doesn't yeah, sound yeah. right. Do, do amazing stuff. Yeah. I actually heard him on Ed Milet's podcast recently. And I had known of Brendan Bouchard. But, you know, there's so many kind of uh, celebrities. or delivers things. It's not like new. It's just incredibly easier to absorb and implement, I think. I, I, yeah. Yeah, and to each his own. I heard him on the uh, at my let show, and I'm like, yeah, I haven't, I haven't uh, consumed any Brendan Burchard in a couple of years. Um, he's talking about this book, and let me go check it out. And yeah, like that's how content marketing works. Like it's pretty funny. What's your morning routine? Speaking of habits, so I get up. My alarm goes off at 4 a.m. I leave the house around 4:15. I get to the gym at 4:30. Um, the gym opens at five, so I read from 4:30 to five. Work out from five to six, and then typically six to six thirty, I do some sort of social media post or engagement, um, and then I spend time with the kids, and then my day starts around eight thirty. Love it. So you've got a, a few wins before your your day starts. That's awesome. I have to work out. It's yeah. necessary for me. So, and I can commit to that time every day. It seems like you're just it, you're definitely just scratching the surface with what you're doing. It's extremely valuable. What that you can share publicly is is coming up next for WinRate Consulting and Mike Claudio. So I just hired a sales guy. I'm kind of excited about that, getting him ramped up into just doing more of the business development um, part of the business. But I'm actually kicking off a mastermind this week. Um, this is going to release in a few weeks. So it'll be it'll be live by the time this comes out. Um, but Inking Wins, really a social media content creation mastermind group. Um, it's a great opportunity for people who are just not comfortable with social media or how to do it or how to storytell or even just how to create content. That's what it's there for. It's, it's me and a, me and a, the, that actually that roofer out of Dallas, I was talking about are running it 
and really just around helping people become more comfortable building a brand online because it is the difference. If you are not starting to do that now, you are going to struggle hard in the next few years. I mean, if you're not listening to what you're talking about and selling and, and training people on, look, guys, you're going to get bypassed by some kid that is doing it, period. And that's just a really unfortunate place to be for a high-quality contractor who just is not really comfortable starting. That's what that group is for. So I'm excited about getting that kicked off this week. So by the time this comes out, we'll be in the second month of it. But Inking Wins, uh, Mastermind Group, I'm pretty pumped about that coming up. Awesome stuff. Amen to that. I love when I talk about that stuff every day. I love that my audience gets to hear it from someone else besides me. Maybe it'll sink in a little bit more. So yeah, I'm going to definitely take a take a look at that. Uh, Mike, I appreciate your, your being on here, sharing your insights. Uh, I know there's a lot more to unpack, so uh, maybe we can get a couple more scheduled uh, in, the, in the pipeline later time this year. And uh, appreciate all you have to offer. Uh, any parting shots and let people know uh, what the best place to find you is so they can start following some of this amazing content. Yeah, I mean, if you guys are into podcasts, uh, I have one Big Stud Sales, uh, Big Stud Sales podcast. It's on all major platforms. You know, it's a lot of fun. We talk a lot about sales and marketing and business development tactics. I love hosting the podcast. It's a really fun way to engage with people and, and put out valuable content information. And then at Winrate Consulting on Instagram are probably my two main main platforms for distribution of content. So the podcast that I have a YouTube channel that I'm kind of like just now getting off the ground. Not that, not where I really want it to be yet, but the podcast, Big Stud Sales and at Winrate Consulting on Instagram too. Go give Mike a follow. You're going to get a lot of value for sure. Puts out a lot of content, but good high quality content, not just noise. So it'll definitely, uh, if you take the time to implement it, be intentional about creating the time to make a change in your business, it'll help you level up. Thanks a lot, Mike. Talk to you soon. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Nailed It Podcast. Don't forget to get your free training videos at contractordynamics.com.